Hello, it's Bernard Nomberg with the Nomberg Law Firm in Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you for stopping by the Nomberg Law Live podcast. Each week we have interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. My guest is noted writer Scott Adamson, and Scott has a real passion for professional sports football in Alabama, most notably in Birmingham. And over the last 45 years, Birmingham has hosted and held numerous professional football teams that have been successful on different levels over the years. Scott recently wrote a book and we talk about his book, his experiences, and had a great time talking about professional football in Birmingham, Alabama. For you football fans, you guys will really enjoy this episode. Thank you again for tuning in to Nomberg Law Live podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review, and subscribing will ensure that you get each podcast as they come out on a weekly basis. Thank you again. Okay, good morning, guys. I want to welcome everybody to our weekly episode of Nomberg Law Live, as we do each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central. We try to bring to you interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. And I have author Scott Adamson, native of Birmingham, now in South Carolina, with me. And we've had a, a couple of minutes of a good chat already this morning. So it's good to see you, Scott, and I appreciate you making some time for us. And thank you so much for bringing me on today. Looking forward to to talking about it. Oh, absolutely my pleasure. And what has been my pleasure is getting to read Scott's new book, The Home Team, My Bromance with Off-Brand Football. And for those of you who know me, uh, as many of you do, I'm a big football and sports fan. And this book just screamed out at me that I needed to read it. I read it in one weekend. It was so, so compelling to me. But it is the history of professional sports in Birmingham, Alabama. And we, as you guys know, we are a football crazy town. We love our Tide. We tolerate the, the, the other team. No, I'm just kidding. Auburn and any other uh, UAB has made a noted uh, splash over the last uh, couple of decades. But Scott, you have written the definitive history, in my opinion, about uh, the sport of professional football in Alabama, uh, or excuse me, in, in Birmingham. So before we, we talk about what you're doing now, give us a, just a brief uh, recap. What led you to writing this book? Well, I was, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a Birmingham native, and of course, I uh, was born in 1960, so I grew up in that era where, uh, you know, pro football was was really something that was almost uh, exotic when you lived in, in Alabama, because as you mentioned, when you grow up in Alabama, you're either an Alabama or an Auburn fan if you, if you grow up in that era, but I was always fascinated by professional football. It just seemed... Uh, you know, we would have the colleges on Saturday, but then on Sunday, you turn on the TV and you would see the kids, but then the pro guys are the even bigger kids. Mm -hmm. So that just fascinated me that there were people who could play this great sport. Birmingham Americans came to Birmingham in 1974 at the time, I'm a 13-year-old kid, and that's the greatest thing in the history of the world for me because I can't believe that Birmingham, Alabama has a professional football team. And, uh, you know, you're not really, 
when you're that age, you're not thinking, well, what level is this? You know, how does this compare to the NFL? As far as I was concerned, when the World Football League came to Birmingham in 1974, it was as good a brand of football as you could, you know, possibly find. And I just thought it would last forever, as we all did, you know. And of course, it only lasted for a year and a half. But that was, I was just so obsessed with and so excited by Birmingham having a team it sort of just developed a passion for it. So every team that followed, the USFL, the World League, all the teams that, that have come since, I had a certain attraction to. And of course it varied depending on how good the team was or, or how interested I might've been in it. But uh, just professional football at Birmingham has always just been something that I've followed. And uh, you know, if another team comes along, I'll, I'll follow them as well. <laughs> I think you're at one at, at this point you have a sense of obligation. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm invested. <laughs> well, you know what was kind of cool? Uh, at least, I mean, I, I grew up in South Alabama. Of course, we didn't have any professional sports. But for you, I guess my question is, it's a it's a pro team, but you don't have to watch them on television, like maybe the Falcons or the Saints back in the day, being the regional teams, uh, if you will. You could actually go see them in person. How, how easy was that to see them up close and personal uh, at our famous Legion Field for you and, and your friends? Yeah, I mean, that was just a thrill for me because, you know, you, again, we had Alabama and Auburn that you could go to Legion Field and see. And of course, that was extremely cool. But when it came to pro football, watching the Jets or the Falcons or whoever, and I was, I was a Jets fan. I love the American Football League. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of a long drive to New York. You know, you couldn't really just get in the car and go to Shea Stadium early, early on a uh, Sunday morning. So to be able to go to Legion Field, and I know the first game when the Birmingham Americans played the Southern California Sun, I go up to the fence when the players come out. And that was just, I mean, I can still remember that like it was yesterday because you, you know, you hear the crowd and there are all those certain smells that you have at a stadium, you know, the hot dogs and everything. Mm -hmm. And just seeing these big football players come out and warm up and thinking, wow, this is kind of cool because you've got Alabama and Auburn players playing together. You know, they don't dislike each other anymore. They're, <laughs> they're working for a common goal. So that just became this huge deal for me to think, wow, this is, this is a team that represents my city. It's not just a school, it's an entire area. So we can all, you know, like on Saturdays, if you root for Alabama and your friend roots for Auburn, you can kind of jaw at each other, but here's a chance where you can actually root for the same team. And it was just really thrilling for me. And it was kind of cool that after their collegiate careers were over, as you mentioned, the rivals for the Tide and the Tiger, some of them actually became teammates on many of these teams throughout the years. 74 Birmingham Americans, you had Steve Williams and Larry Willingham, uh, you know, and Steve Williams, of course, had an interception return for a touchdown in that first game, which, you know, ultimately was the, the points that won the game. But yeah, just seeing the guys work together was, was just great for me. Well, one, one of the things about reading your book that I so enjoyed is this almost reads, it's so detailed, it's so uh, fact-driven, it's got so many great interviews in it, it almost reads like a small version of a Jeff Perlman sports book. And we all know Jeff Perlman just interviews hundreds of folks uh, for each of his awesome books that he writes. And that's when I'm reading through your book with these interviews with these players who have long since been forgotten by the general public, you brought them back up to life 
uh, in this book. And as we talked about earlier, I'm sure one, like most good writers, I'm sure you've been writing this book in your head for years, but what led you to finally putting it into this, this awesome format that you did? Well, when I finally, I, I retired from uh, newspaper work in 2017, and I've been doing it for 30 years. And of course, in newspapers, everything is, you do, you do everything every day. You know, you write a story on Monday, and then Tuesday, you forget about it, and you start writing it. And when I finally got to the point where I didn't have the a chance for me to do something long form, which I'd always wanted to do. And it was just pretty obvious for me, considering my obsession with, <laughs> with pro football in Birmingham, that that would be the first book I wrote if I ever wrote one. Now, the difference being, and I was a babe in the woods when it came to books. I wasn't sure how you approached it. But basically what you need to do is you make a pitch to a publisher before you write. But I did that the exact opposite. I wrote the book. I mean, I just went ahead and got it done. And then I made the pitch. But at least at that point, I had something I could give them. And the issue for me is I knew that it was going to be niche. Because this is, even though I do talk about the leagues that Birmingham are in, it is about Birmingham. It's about my experience, you know, myself, my dad, my brother, my friends, you know, when I would, when we would go to those games. So it was very personal and it was very driven by the city of Birmingham. But I thought when I wrote it, you know, other people can relate to this. If you think of cities that have also been like Birmingham in the sense that you've had off-brand football, cities like San Antonio, Memphis, Orlando, I think this would appeal to them as well. It's not necessarily their team, but it might be their experience when you start out as I did as a young teenager in the mid seventies, all the way to the last pro team we had, which was the Birmingham iron and uh, you know, the Alliance of American football that covers an, that covers a lot of territory. We're dealing with 40 years of professional football history there. So it was just something that I really wanted to write and something that I knew, um, you know, if I wanted to tell that story, it had to be in a book form. I could, I didn't want to just do it by writing a bunch of columns. And Scott, it, it's, there's at least, well, there's more than half a dozen professional leagues uh, that are represented throughout here. And this is a, a generalized question, uh, I guess a global question. Would it be fair to say that it wasn't each of these teams that necessarily failed, but it was the leagues themselves that ultimately led to the teams leaving, or is that not each case here? No, I think for the most part, that's true. You know, of course, the WFL folded, even though Birmingham, for the most part, had great attendance. Same situation with the USFL, although Birmingham started out a little slow in attendance, but by the end, uh, by the third year of the USFL, they were one of the leading, you know, teams in attendance and one of the best teams. I mean, the USFL was just a fabulous football league. It was it was heartbreaking when it folded. But it has always been the league, you know, when the, if a league folds, there's not much your team, you know, can do about it. And, and Birmingham just always been kind of a victim of the circumstance of the it's in. Let me ask you just as, in a global sense, again, we've never had NFL here. I know there's been some exhibition games from time to time at, at, at Legion Field. Facilities aside, that stadium obviously is a relic at this point. Does, do you think that Birmingham, one, 
has the market size big enough or population size big enough to support an NFL team? Or And two, do you think that how strong college football is in our town are, are either or both of those hurdles to preventing uh, Birmingham to, from having an NFL team? You know, I really don't think the, you know, the, I mean, certainly so many people love Alabama and Auburn and me being a UAB grad, I'm very excited about UAB moving stadium. I really don't think that would make a difference. I just think it comes down to Birmingham, Birmingham size, you know, their media being, you know, I don't know what they're ranked as far as being one of the media markets now, but if you look at the NFL, the South is pretty well saturated now. And I just can't imagine unless it was a situation where an owner got angry and threatened to move his team. I just don't know how Birmingham really would be in that conversation just because of all the other teams in the South. And two, the new stadium, I know that there's going to be room for some expansion, but it seems like it's only going to be like 45,000 seats or something. So I think that would work against it. And as much as I would love it, I think it would be a wonderful thing for Birmingham to have. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it seems like Birmingham's opportunity, I don't know when it was at its greatest opportunity, but it seems like those days are well past uh, us having an NFL team with the Falcons in Atlanta, the Titans in Nashville, the Saints in New Orleans, Jacksonville, Tampa. Now, the, you're right, we're pretty saturated uh, in this part of the country. Well, let me take you, uh, Scott, on a, a little bit of uh, a memory jog and share with us maybe a couple of your favorite games you attended, players you saw, or moments that really just kind of or, or bring smiles to your face of good memories being there? Well, I think the, the first Birmingham Americans game, which was July 10th, 1974, that was unforgettable just for the reasons I mentioned earlier, the sense that, you know, this is the first pro football game I've ever seen, and it's my team, it's my city. Uh, and, and the one thing I remember, which I think I mentioned in the book, is the Southern California Sun had magenta jerseys and orange pants. Mm -hmm. And that was about the most 1970s thing you could I'm possibly sure. see. I'm sure. But I thought that's fabulous, you know, because I wasn't used to that. I'm used to seeing, you know, green and white and, you know, blue and yellow. But all of a sudden you've got these, you know, these disco colors or whatever. And <laughs> I'll always remember that game just because it, it really wasn't the best game. The final score was 11 to seven. So from the standpoint of, Gameplay, it wasn't that exciting, but it was the first time, you know, and it was just being there for that is something that I'll, I'll always remember. But that same season, Birmingham played the Memphis Southmen and beat them 58 to 33, which was one of the wildest football games I've ever seen in my life. Just incredibly exciting. And I think as far as if you look at the Americans and the Vulcans, that's certainly my favorite game. I mean, it was there were 60,000 fans there. Wow. Just so much fun, you know, because I'm, I'm one of those, and I still am, but especially as a kid, I wanted to see points. And I think that's why growing up, I tended to like the American Football League more so than the NFL. And when you see a 58 to 33 game, like I did that night when Birmingham beat Memphis, I mean, that was just fantastic. And uh, having said that, I really loved the USFL. That was my favorite league mm -hmm. in the sense that Birmingham and, you know, a couple of the other teams, I know the Philadelphia Baltimore franchise mm -hmm. by the third season, I think they could have been 
eight and eight teams in the NFL. I think they were that good. So all the Stallions games, especially that third season in 85, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed those just because when I'm sitting in the stands at Legion Field, I'm thinking I'm watching as close to NFL quality football as I'm probably ever going to see live and in person at Legion Field. Well, gosh, how many players uh, who came straight out of college to the USFL eventually made it into the NFL and then into the Hall of Fame? Steve Young. I mean, you could go on. Herschel Walker. Uh, There's so Reggie White. I mean, there's just uh, so many of those guys. Uh, But you're, you're right. And you and I could spend... Well, again, Jeff Perlman wrote about it, the USFL history. We, we can really uh, dive into why the USFL folded, but that's, that would take up too much of our, our time today. <laughs> but I want to ask you, um, you know, in those early days, the Legion Field, our oldest and, and most grand football stadium uh, in Birmingham, if not the state of Alabama, it, it really was a grand stadium, and it held the history of so many uh, important games, um, including the, the famous game where, uh, what was it, Jeff Rutledge and Tony Nathan played in high school in the early 70s. Where, I actually was at that game. I went okay. to Huffman High School, but I went to that game just so I could see it. <laughs> I, well, it's, I, there's, there's stories <coughs> about how people just kept coming in and there was only one ticket booth open. Uh, so people were filing in all throughout the game. And of course there was a movie made uh, that surrounded that a few years ago. But the game I want to, and we're, we're getting a little off of pro football, but the game I really want to talk about uh, for a minute or two is that famous USC-Alabama game at Legion Field that has, uh, it has lore, it has uh, facts. Uh, it's, it's commonly been attributed that Coach Bryant did more to help integrate the state of Alabama by bringing uh, USC, which was largely led by African-American uh, football players, and they dominated Alabama. And I know that you know very much about that game. You've written about that game. Share some of your, your insight or your thoughts about that, the hi- historical significance of that game. Yeah, when, um, you know, I was nine years old when that game was played. And uh, I think like most nine-year-olds, I probably didn't realize how significant it could be or would be. My takeaway from that game was that, you know, Southern Cal just ran Alabama out of the building. You know, they beat them 42 to 21. And I remember listening to the game on the radio. I don't think it was on, uh, on television and just stunned at how USC was just running all over them. What I found out later is that my dad had tried to get tickets to that game and couldn't because obviously it was a hard sellout. So as it turned out, the first college football game I ever saw in person was a week later when Alabama played Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. So that was the game where Alabama won 51 to 18. So as a kid, I'd completely forgotten about that, (laughs) that 42 to to 21 thrashing and didn't realize the significance of it just as a, like a civil, like an iconic civil rights game Mm -hmm. until I got older. And now looking back on it, it's just a, amazing that one game could have turned so many heads like that game did. I mean, you're right. That was just a, a pivotal game in Southern football. Well, you know, it's largely been stated that the governor at the time was the second most powerful person in our state behind Coach Bryant. And he was buddies, as the story goes, with John McKay, I think is who it was. Or was it John Robinson? I think it was, McKay. It was John McKay. Yeah. John McKay. 
brought them over uh, USC, which was a powerhouse uh, team at the time, led by Cunningham and maybe Charles Davis and some others. And I don't know if what I'm about to say is truth or if it's lore that Coach Bryant brought Cunningham into the Alabama locker room and introduced him and said something along the lines, this is what a real football player looks like. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, it makes for a good story, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd heard that originally, and then a lot of people debunked it later, uh, you know, just saying that's, you know, while that might have been Bryant's intention, he wouldn't have, you know, actually done that to his players. But the point being, whether he did, whether he didn't, I think that did turn a whole lot of heads, you know, that game. Yeah, there's the the, the, the history of Alabama integrating its football team is a, a, another interesting story for another day. But guys, I'm talking with noted writer Scott Adamson, who has written this awesome book, his bromance with professional football in Birmingham. And Scott, you just lived across town, really not that far of a drive uh, to, to Legion Field. And I don't know if you've seen it late, lately, but they, they still have some paint on the walls and they're still hosting at least one more season for, for UAB. Uh, but but not only did Legion Field host all of this uh, college and high school football over the years, it hosted the 96, uh, some Olympics uh, that have been there and so many concerts of, of note. And I wanna talk about Legion Field for just a minute and its historical significance because it sits in the shadows of Birmingham Southern uh, College. It's only a few minutes from downtown it's also geographically located in some historically significant neighborhoods uh, in Birmingham. So if you would share, share, share a few minutes about, about Legion Field and what it means. Oh yeah, to me, especially as a, as a young kid, it was a cathedral. I mean, it was an absolute cathedral of football because you walk into something and in the seventies, it still, to me, appeared to be new, you know, and it seats 72,000 and just you know all the beautiful green colors and you see that astroturf which you know was still fairly new at the time and yeah when i walked in there i thought you know i'm walking into the greatest grandest football stadium in the entire world you know which you're going to be you're going to feel that way anyway if you live in birmingham but uh, you know i know time has has taken its toll on it but there was beautiful. a period for a whole lot of years where it was just a glorious glorious football stadium and then not just as you mentioned not just football I mean soccer concerts and everything else it was just a, a great facility. Well I, I had the pleasure of getting to play there in high school for our state championship uh, game in 85 against your alma mater Huffman High School and I just remember uh, being in it was the week after Van Tiffen kicked his famous long field goal to beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl and I remember being in the uh, locker room, one thinking, man, this is so cool. Alabama and Auburn had just been in here the week before, but gosh, this is not what I expected it would be. Uh, I, I guess I thought it would be more grandiose. I thought it'd be more polished, but it truly is a throwback from days uh, gone by with the amenities, if you will. Right. But it, it still hosts college football and high school football today. It's still, still rocking. You know, what I would love to see is it's somehow turned into a working museum. I mean, it's never going to get to the point where, you know, once the new, once, uh, the new stadium is built, that's going to be the focus of, of all athletic events, you know, of, of that 
you know, football or whatever. But I would love to see Legion Field somehow be like a working museum, you know, maybe have it done sort of like how Rickwood Field, they have the Rickwood Classic every year, maybe have the Legion Field Classic or something. Because yeah. I know that it's in disrepair. I know that a lot of people like to, to rag on it, but it, it has meant so much to especially football in this city. You know, I don't want to see it just discarded. I mean, I want to see it, you know, turned into something that, again, I you know, some sort of working museum. I'm not smart yeah. enough to figure out how to do that, but I would love to see that happen. It, it would be a sad day if that building is ever taken down and a developer comes in and does something with it, with the property. Scott, let's go back to some of these leagues for just a minute as we're getting close toward the end of our discussion. And I sure appreciate you sharing your enthusiasm and your expertise and some of your experiences with this. The, it's 2020, of course, we're still dealing with the pandemic. I don't know how serious uh, there are about sports leagues doing anything right now until we get out of this, but can you foresee, and this is kind of the crystal ball question, can you foresee Birmingham hosting or having professional football uh, at, in Birmingham in the future? And would it be at Legion Field, or do you think it would move to the new stadium in downtown uh, that UAB is going to use? Yeah, I mean, I think the new stadium would, would be kind of the draw for any league that wanted to come to Birmingham. I think the most logical option, the XFL plans to return in, in 2022. Um, what they've done, and I don't know if it's going to be a complete reboot or if they're just going to try to continue, you know, what they started before the pandemic ended their season, but they were in major markets. They were either in NFL markets or, or cities like, you know, St. Louis that, that basically, even though they don't have a team now, they're an NFL market. So I would think if they ever decided to expand and maybe go to second tier cities, Birmingham would certainly be logical, especially with that new stadium. Uh, there's also a league called the Freedom Football League, which, which Ricky Williams started. Uh, it's basically been dormant for two or three years. They haven't really figured out what they want to do with it. Birmingham was given one of the original teams, or at least when they listed who their original teams was going to be, Birmingham was listed. But nothing has come of that. So I don't know if that league will ever get off the ground or not. But, you know, if, if there are future football leagues formed and you got to figure they're going to be you know, AAA type leagues, I certainly think Birmingham would be in the conversation to have a franchise just because of its history and just because now it'll have a nice shiny new stadium to play in. Would that be enough to get you to move back to town? <laughs> I would love to. If, if Birmingham gets another team, I will show up for it. I promise. <laughs> I have no doubt. I have no doubt. And I, I also have no doubt that you have the world's foremost uh, collection of memorabilia and swag uh, professional Birmingham uh, professional football. If you can slide over just a little bit, we can get a little, there's pennants back there. There's helmets. I hope you guys can see that. I see posters uh, back there. Uh, Scott, that's just some awesome memorabilia and some things that maybe one day we can, you can put it on public display for everybody. And, and what it, the other thing I was going to say is I know that you have a media website that I'm going to post the link to are some of the some of your memorabilia posted on there that folks can see yeah it, it is and it's it's funny my wife calls this my kids room i call it my fan cave but it uh it is it, i've got a lot of memorabilia from from these leagues and also the birmingham bulls i was a huge fan of, mm -hmm. of hockey back in in that era which 
originally when I was thinking of, about this, I was really trying to figure out a way to do something on the Birmingham Bulls, but I figured I'd just stick to football when I was going, you know, Birmingham pro football history was enough to fill up a book. All right, rapid fire, last couple of questions and we'll get you out of here. Okay. Favorite professional uh, player who played for any of the Birmingham teams and why? Uh, Cliff Stout, just for the quarterback for the Stallions, just because I didn't like him when he came there because I was a big Bob Lane guy and I thought, who is this outsider? But then once he came in and started playing, I liked his style. I liked his humor, the way he was able to deal with a, with a loss. And he became my, my favorite player for, for the Stallions. And I guess, oh, wow, there were so many. I, I, possibly, even though the league only lasted for a year and a half, um, Matthew Reed, the quarterback for the Birmingham Americans, and he actually started for the Birmingham Balkans, he was probably my first favorite just because he was so fun to watch. But I think if – if I had to pick or choose just because Cliff Stout had a little bit longer career, he would be my guy. He also played in the NFL for at least, I know, the Steelers and maybe Cowboys. I, I can't recall. Well, I know he was back up for, uh, for Bradshaw with the Steelers, and I believe he played with the Cardinals after the uh, USFL folded. All right. Well, did, did Birmingham have any what I'll call outlaw or renegade uh, players or ownership that come to mind? Just Ooh. colorful characters. Let's see. That's, that's, that's another good question. <laughs> Alfred Jenkins, the, uh, I don't think he was an outlaw or anything, but he was the, uh, the wide receiver for the Birmingham Americans. And he's the one that inspired me when I played little league football to get the number 80 because awesome. I was also a, a wide receiver. So he was my hero at the time. Was he the guy, did he end up with the Falcons for a He short did. Time? He had a great career with the Falcons yeah. and yeah. made me so sad to think, Oh man, I wish the you know I wish the Americans could have, yeah. could have lasted so I could still go see him play every Sunday. And all right, last question for you, and thank you again for your time this morning. What uh, what's your favorite piece of uh, memorabilia or swag that you have in your collection? Oh wow, um, you know as silly as it sounds, I think it's just that that Birmingham Americans pennant. I know that's very simple, mm -hmm. but it's something that I was able to keep since 1974 so, and wow. it just meant so much to me at the time it's one of those things that even though when you're young you're not really thinking about collecting stuff there was just something about that pennant that was always special to me so so I think if I had to choose one you know if I had to get rid of all of them and just keep one it would be that American's pennant well seeing all of your memorabilia back there has inspired me I'm going to get in touch with Jim Reed at Reed Books downtown <laughs> I know he's got to have some stuff uh, and I've had Jim on my show here. He's just got such a wonderful collection of, of books and photographs and records and just all kind of fun stuff. But Scott, thank you again for spending some time and, and chatting about the history of Birmingham's professional football teams. I think we lost you there for just a second, Scott. I'm not sure if you're, you're with us now. But, okay. but thank you again. And guys, I put the link to Scott's book in our show notes. I'll put a link to his media page so you can see some of the memorabilia. But Scott, thank you again for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Oh, it was my, my pleasure. And guys, as we do every Tuesday, uh, let's see, we're, we're almost to the Thanksgiving week. And I think we're going to take next week off, but we'll be back in two weeks. So thank you again for tuning in to Nomberg Law Live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. 
Hope you guys have a safe rest of your week and, a, and a, an excellent uh, and fun and restful uh, Thanksgiving week. Take care.